time since I've heard that song. Beautiful. Turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, chapter 49. We used to sing that, or it was sung a lot when we were at Tennessee Temple. God did a wonderful thing when He saved us. I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 49. I want to preach more of a practical message tonight than a theological message. There'll be theology in it, of course. Every time you open your mouth, there's theology. I hope you understand that, that you give away your theology every time you open your mouth. And there'll be a lot of theology in it, but there's more practicality in it. And a preacher stands to get himself in more trouble by being practical than theological. And so I'm going to apply some things very directly tonight. I hope you'll listen and give me a safe exit when I am through. Genesis 49. Let's stand together, may we? Genesis 49. It's a very practical passage of Scripture. And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel, your father. Now, by the way, Jacob is 147 years old when he calls his 12 sons to him. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Unstable is water, thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defilest thou it. He went up. To my couch. Verse 4 is the text, the first line. Unstable is water, thou shalt not excel. And I want to speak to you on Reuben's downfall. Our Heavenly Father, would you still us and get us ready, dear Lord, to receive the word. Help us to be receptors. And to receive it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually works in us that believe. And this is our final answer. You are our, our um, sole authority. And that we give you, dear Lord, the one to have the right to tell us what to do. And so we pray tonight as the Word of God goes forth, that we'll let it work in us to correct us, to help us, to help our children. We pray in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Chapter 49 of Genesis are the last words of Jacob, the father of the twelve tribes. He's about to die. He's been in Egypt for 17 years. He's 147 years old. Joseph is about 55. Reuben is probably 75 or maybe older when these words are given. He's uh, observed for all these years the characters of his boys. He's watched them. And we're not sure whether all of this is prophecy, telling the future of these boys and their sons and sons' sons, or whether some of it is just sheer observation. You know, if a man observes carefully, he sees traits in his children. If he just observes carefully. He will see traits, if he observes long enough, that will follow that boy for all of his life. And will probably follow his grandsons and his great-grandsons. 
And such is the case we believe here. Jacob has observed these boys for many years. And they have some age on them now. And the words of dying men, especially parents, are quite impressive. Particularly if they have all of their senses about them and are not drugged to death. And they can talk and say what they feel in their dying hours. Reuben was the firstborn. He thus had a lot of privileges the other boys didn't have. He had some opportunities the other 11 didn't get. He forfeited a lot of that, the Bible says, because of his instability. He gave it all up because of his instability. If you follow Scripture, and I had to do some studying on this, and uh, no prince in the Bible came from the tribe of Reuben. No leader came from the tribe of Reuben. No king came from the tribe of Reuben. No judge came from the tribe of Reuben. No prophet came from the tribe of Reuben. He didn't excel. He never excelled at anything. He was unstable. And the Bible says he was unstable as water. He had the right of the double portion. He had the primogenitor. He could have been the, had the double portion in his life uh, given to him. And he did have some of it, at least, we know. He had the dignity of the firstborn. He had a lot of things the other boys didn't have access to. But he had one ingredient missing in his life, and his dad said, at 70 years of age, you're not going to excel, son. And not only are you not going to excel, but your tribe, the, tri the people that come from you, will never excel. You see, the ingredient he lacked was character. He lacked staying power. He lacked the ability to get at a task and stay at it till he got it done. He was unstable. When the scripture here speaks of his dignity, Jewish history tells us that he had the right to the priesthood. He had the kingly line right and the power over the other tribes. He lost the priesthood to Levi. He lost the kingly right to Judah. And he lost the birthright to Joseph. Matthew Henry said this, he said his virtue was unstable. He had not the government of himself and his own appetites. Sometimes he was very regular and orderly. But at other times he deviated into the wildest courses. Instability, Matthew Henry said, is the ruin of men's excellency. Men do not thrive because they do not fix. They do not thrive because they're not stable. This incident is mentioned the incident in Reuben's life about him going up to his father's bed happened 40 years earlier. He went up to one of the concubines of his own father and committed fornication with her. There's no doubt in my mind that it was forgiven. It's not that, that uh, Jacob had not forgiven his son, but it was the, right, it was the fact that, it, that a blight upon his character was marked in that. It was the one incident, there was no doubt many incidents, but it was the one incident that blighted his character and told old Jacob that this young guy would not excel. You know, if you trace it through the scripture, Reuben wasn't all bad. There's incidents where Reuben had a very tender heart about him. In fact, if you remember the story how Joseph was sold and how the, the, the brothers were so cruel, and for some of the tribes he talks about how they're going to be a cruel tribe. For some of those tribes, they were, they were very cruel, and they were going to kill Joseph. And it was Reuben who said, no, let's put him in a pit and get his coat and put blood on it. 
When he came back, though, he, it, the Bible tells us he had full intentions of coming back and getting Joseph out. But when he came back, Joseph had already gone. He'd already been sold. Again, when you see, see the Israelites in Egypt going to get food when there was a famine in the land of Israel, and, and Joseph kept Benjamin and pulled that trick on them. It was Reuben who said to his father when he came back, Slay my two sons if I bring him not to thee. Deliver him into my hand, and I will bring him to thee again. Reuben had a lot of tender moments in his life. You know, if you look at anybody, you can see places in their life where they have good moments. I mean, you take the son of Sam, he had some good moments. You take wicked people, they have some good moments. But that's not the mark of their life. That's not the character that's put upon their life. Spurgeon used to say men are marked by their predominant characteristic. And the predominant characteristic of this, this guy Reuben was the fact that he was unstable. It was a characteristic of his life. William Jay, who was a favorite writer of Spurgeon's, said his goodness, speaking of Reuben, his goodness was as the morning cloud and the early dew which soon passes away. Now listen, he had no self-government. He was a slave of his appetites and vile passions. Without stability, William J. said, there can be no excellency. Without stability, there can be no character. For character is the effect and force of habit. And I want you to get that. Character is the effect and force of habit. And habit is produced only by constancy and consistency in acting. The proverb says, a rolling stone gathers no moss. A tree that's transplanted every year will not rise high and grow strong and bring forth much fruit. He was unstable. You know, folks, we live in very unstable times. There's many things going on in our country today I never thought would go on as a child. Things that were always thought to be stable and secure are shaken in their foundations. The stock market uh, just uh, is up and down and down more than up and unstable. You know, when I think of the money system in our country, which is, by the way, tied to nothing. Tied to nothing. The only thing that keeps the money system going is the faith of the American people in the money system. And when I think of the money system, I often think of, of Egypt when Joseph came in charge after that famine came. The Bible says there came a place where money failed. Money failed. And money just wasn't working anymore. People just had to eat. They were willing to sell their land. They were willing to sell their souls. They were willing to sell their children. They were willing to sell anything just to eat. Money failed in Egypt. Our government has become unstable. I never thought in my lifetime I would hear people openly and unashamedly speak of redistributing the wealth. Not in this country. I never thought I would hear that. I, I, I'm not sure who's more of a socialist, Barack Obama or Vladimir Putin. I'm not sure which one's more socialist. Our churches are unstable. All across the country, churches are changing. There's very little stability in them. There have been more changes in my lifetime in the worship services of the average church than in 150, 250 years before that time. 
You don't know what you're going to get into when you get into a church these days. There's just nothing very stable about the worship services, even of our churches. Our churches are changing. The old hymns are about as hard to find as almost anything in most churches. You just can't find them. And these little 7-Eleven courses, people will know for two or three weeks, and then they won't remember them anymore. I'm glad as a kid I learned redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I can get backslid and that song will call me back. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. There's some stability in those old songs that are built into us that help us stay right with God. So many things are changing. They're unstable. Churches are into the marketing arena and thus change with the desires of people wanting to please people more than they desire to please the living God. That's instability. Even Bibles have become unstable. Bible comes out about every week. A new Bible because people can't understand the King James Version. I want to tell you something. It's not because people can't understand it. It's because they won't read it long enough to understand it. Brother Roloff used to say, we don't need to retranslate it. We need to reread it. We need to get stable enough to stay in it long enough to understand it. Amen. Families are unstable. Divorce is rampant. In fact, to most people now, the very definition of a family has become so diverse it can mean anything. The old stable family of husband and wife and children is about as hard to find in America as, uh, as uh, anything. It's, just, it's, it's a rarity to find a family that's an old-fashioned family of mother, daddy, and children. And that's not to criticize folks who've had heartache in their family. It's not to criticize that. It's just to say that we're living in very emotional, unstable times. Unst instability for the family. The dictionary says to be stable means to be not changing. It means not likely to move. Steady, firm. It means not excitable. Having a calm and steady temperament rather than being excited or given to apparently irrational behavior. By every right, Reuben should have been a successful man. He should have been a great leader. He had natural ability. He had so much given to him as the firstborn, but he wasn't stable. And because of that, he couldn't govern himself. And if you can't govern yourself, you will never excel. You will never excel if you can't govern your own passions and your own emotions. It's going to be a practical message. I want to talk to you about how to be a stable person and things that help us with stability. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how much ingenuity you have. Unless you develop stability, you're not going to excel. Not in a spiritual life, not in business life, not in family life unless we develop, develop some stability in our life. Stability means not only that I'm able to make a decision, it means I'm able to follow through on that decision. It means I decide to do something, and then I stay with it long enough to get it done. Amen. That's stability. Yeah. It means I finish what I start. It means I get in something and I stay with it till I excel in it. Amen. That's stability. We have so much change, so much instability. We don't need to be run, ladies and gentlemen, by our emotions. We need to be run by our decisions and our character. I heard a story about a sales convention where the, the head man in charge got up and he was stirring the salesman up. 
And he said to them, there were about 2,000 salespeople there. He said to them, did the Wright brothers ever quit? And the whole crowd said, no. And he said, did the, did the Charles Lindbergh ever quit? And they said, no. He said, did Lance Armstrong ever quit? And the crowd resounded, no. And he said, did Thorndike McKester ever quit? Nobody said anything. They all looked at each other. They said, who is Thorndike McKester? Nobody ever heard of him. And the leader snapped back, of course you never heard of him. He quit. <laughs> You'll never hear of anybody that quits all the time. They start something and quit and start something and quit and get involved in something and quit. They can't finish anything. And that does not bring excellence to any work, to any home, to any church, or to any individual. We have to learn to be stable enough to stay at something. The leader has to stay at his task. The followers have to stay at their task. How many talented people have you ever known who were extremely talented but did nothing with their life? How many bright, smart people do you know that have a lot of brains but no staying power? But never, and never got anything done. They vacillated from one thing to another. Stability is the character. It's the character built by force of habit. It's the ability to stay at something until you excel at it. It's the ability to finish something. It's the ability to stick to one thing until you master it. I want to talk to you about building stability. How many of you with me so far? Don't say it, but how many wish you hadn't come now? I want to show you two things and I'm finished. Number one, the profits of stability. Or there, here's some things that stability will get us. Number one, stability is necessary to have knowledge. It's necessary to have knowledge. And scripture says for the soul to be without knowledge is not good. It's not a good thing. Hey, ignorance is not a godly trait. That's something us North Georgia preachers need a little bit of, don't we? <laughs> One preacher stood up and said, he said, I'm just ignorant and proud of it. One of the deacons stood up and said, well, preacher, you've got a lot to be proud of. <laughs> ignorance is no godly trait. But I want to tell you, it takes perseverance to get knowledge. Somebody's got to stay at it. Somebody's got to keep in it. To excel in knowledge, you have to have character enough to stay at a book long enough to finish it. It's going to get quiet in here. There are people who get started in one book and then another and then another and never finish anything. God help you. Character says I'm going to finish. I read three or four books at a time because I like a little variety, but I finish them. And by the way, I may not have to know everything in it, but it says something to me about character to finish something. Get in school and finish, young people. If you start college, finish. Don't start something and get out of it. It may get boring. School is boring. You know that? School is boring. How many of you ever went to school and were bored? School is boring. Sometimes it's chafing. Sometimes you don't like the teachers. But finishing says worlds about you. It says worlds about you. It's not that piece of paper on the wall. It's the character it takes to get that piece of paper on the wall. Amen. Knowledge is a desirable trait. But Solomon said it doesn't come easy. 
In fact, Solomon said, much study is a weariness of the flesh. And it is. You can't excel in knowledge without perseverance. Young people, stay studying. Stay till you finish something. And if you haven't finished, get back in and finish. But stay. Stability causes us to excel in knowledge. Again, stability causes us to excel in holiness. Holiness. Holiness is nothing more than the discipline of doing right long enough to be like the Lord. It's the discipline of doing right long enough for it to be ingrained in your character. What good is it if we know all the mysteries of Scripture, but we don't have enough character to discipline our tongue? What good is it if we know it can spout off Scripture but can't control our temper? What good is it if we're orthodox and doctrinally correct but immoral in our actions? I want to tell you something. The true grace of God teaches us to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That's what it teaches us. The true grace of God teaches us those things. God's designed for us to, to make us partakers of His holiness. But if we're not stable enough, if we're not disciplined enough, we go at it for a while and then we're off for a while, we're in church for a while and we're out of church for a while, we're up for a while and we're down for a while and we stay at nothing long enough to get something done. If you want to be holy, you've got to stay at it. You've got to stay at it. And that requires stability. Sow a thought, somebody wrote, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. And that old ditty is true. Paul said to Timothy, exercise yourself to godliness. You're not going to get godly by reading a scripture for an hour and a half, one day a month. You're going to get godly by doing it every day. Not an hour and a half, but a little bit every day, every day, every day, every day. That's godliness. Godliness is not when you get inspired to read the Bible. Godliness is doing it on a daily basis when you're charactered enough to get up and get it done. I told you to get quiet in here tonight. To excel in knowledge, there has to be stability. To excel in holiness, there has to be stability. Again, to excel in usefulness, there has to be stability. God desires to use people. We're not here for our own good. We're here for God's glory. And God wants to use us. Apparently, Mary in the New Testament may not have had a lot to offer God. But she saved up her money long enough to where she bought that ointment and anointed him for his burial. And the Lord said of her in the book of Mark, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of her for a memorial of her. She hath done what she could. We may not have a whole lot of talents, but we ought to use the talent we got. We ought not bury our talent. We ought to use it. Too many people, I think, in the Lord's work, because they can't do what they want to do, don't do anything. In order to run, you have to walk. In order to walk, you've got to crawl. In order to crawl... Uh, you need to crawl long enough for God to use you. Too many people go from one thing to the other thing to the other thing. Let me excel in usefulness by doing the things that need to be done. Not what I want to do, but the things that need to be done. If you do what needs to be done and do it in a good way, somebody will notice you. Amen. <laughs>
Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we'll reap if we faint not. That's a promise from God. Number four, in reputation. Reputation is the sea, is the shade produced by the tree of character. Reputation is character observed long enough to gain respect. I want you to hear me just a minute. I hear people say, I don't care what people think. You better care what people think. Because what people think gives you a platform to witness to them. What people think gives you credibility so you can get the gospel to them. If you don't care what people think, then you can't witness to them because you have no credibility. We have to care what people think. That's not to say that, that uh, the reputation is better than character, but it says, generally speaking, reputation follows character. And it should. Your business associates are not impressed because you made a profession of faith. Your business associates are impressed because that profession of faith made a difference tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and five years and 10 years and 15 years. That's what impresses people out in the world. Not because you came down an aisle and said, I believe in Jesus Christ. They don't give a flip about that. But what they do give a flip about is whether you live it day by day on the job. You're not going to win your family to Christ simply because you said, I made a profession of faith in Christ. Your family's not impressed by that. Your family's impressed on what, you, what God's doing in your life year after year after year. That's what impresses a family. It took me years to win some of my family to Christ. I had no platform to witness to them for so long. And one reason people can't witness to their, 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 their family is because it's around their family. They're the worst. May the Lord help us in these things. We ought to be after our family to win them to Christ. But stability causes our reputation to be such that we can witness to them and we have credibility. Lot went to speak to his sons-in-law and he seemed as one that mocked to his sons-in-law. They laughed at the old boy. You know why? Because he was up and down and out and in. He should have stayed with Abraham. He wasn't a leader. He should have stayed under Abraham's leadership and he went because he was impressed with the world and he lost his testimony. He never got it back. Jacob watched Reuben long enough to know that he wasn't constant in anything. Old dad had watched his son long enough to know that he couldn't finish anything. He started things and left them, and started things and left them. He was unstable. And on his deathbed, he said, Son, you're never going to excel. You're unstable as water. I want to give you a second thing, and I'm through. Not only the profits of stability, the things we gain by it, but the practicalities of stability. I mean that, how do we build stability in our lives and our children's lives? I'm telling you something. Children need stability. They need to be able to depend on mom and dad to be stable in their life. Emotional difficulties come about a lot because of the instability of our times. How do you build it? I'm going to give you five or six things. Not original with me. Some of them are not. But I want to give you five or six things to build stability in our life. Number one, you need to learn to set reasonable goals in your life and measure yourself. Reasonable goals. James 1.8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A ship that has nowhere that it's going is going to go like this. 
A ship that has no port where it's looking to arrive at is always going to be, it doesn't know where it's going. So many people have no goals in their life. Young people, get some goals in your life. Want to arrive somewhere. Keep track of things. Get a day timer or a, an iPhone or something and get some goals and keep track of yourself. Read your Bible through. You say, I tried last year and I failed. Try again. The just man falls seven times and rises up again. Try again. You'll always get further by setting goals and setting no goals. Write your resolutions down and put them where you can see them. Don't leave your life's progress to your inspiration in the morning. Don't leave where you're headed with your life up to providence to direct you and you have to make a decision every time your life changes a little bit. Ella Mae Wilcox wrote, One ship drives east and another ship drives west with the selfsame winds that blow. Tis the set of the sail and not the gale that determines the direction they go. Same winds drive two ships two different directions. It's the set of the sail. The set of the sail. Don't use excuses all the time. I can't do this. I can't do that. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. You know why? Your sail's not set. Get some goals. Set your sails toward a direction. I never reach all of my goals every year, each year, but I reach a lot of them. I reach most of them. Last year I read through the Bible twice. I've never done that before. I always try to read it once. But I got some inspiration somewhere that I wanted to read it twice last year. Now I won't do that this year. Once I got that inspiration and said I'm going to do it, I knew I'd made a mistake. <laughs> That's a lot of reading. And I like to read other stuff and stuff based on the Bible and, and my sermonic material and so forth. I knew it was a lot of reading, but I made a decision. And I was going to finish it. I made a decision. And I'm going to finish it. If I have to stay up all night, I'm going to finish it. I said I was going to do something, and I'm going to do it. That's stability. Stability is being able to finish things, you see. It's being, being able to set a, set a goal, and you may have some problems getting to that goal, but get to it. David said to, said to be able to, 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 uh, to swear and hurt, and even if you have to hurt, you get done what you told the Lord you were going to do. Too many of us tell God we're going to do things and then don't do it. May the Lord help us. A calendar, a goal helps you in stability. You know how many families just operate on a day-by-day -day basis? Uh, this is not part of the message, but I'll give it to you anyway. I was impressed by it this week. I saw on the news, uh, before all this calamity hit the stock market, the, uh, I forget the percentage they gave now, 85% of people in America had no savings. None. Now after, and we're saving none. Now after all this hit, there's about 2.5% I think that are saving some money. And by the way, that represents some character too. I, 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 
I was telling my son the other day, when I graduated from school, from college, from Tennessee Temple years ago, and some of you guys will remember this, and I don't think I'm stretching things. We were told to spend it all. The rapture's coming. Don't leave any for the... Am I correct? Isn't that, isn't that basically what the gist was? Spend it all. Don't leave anything for the Antichrist. I heard that out of pulpits. Right? So we did. But I'll tell you something. Character, if it can set nothing else, sets a dollar aside for a rainy day. It sets a little bit aside. Because there's coming a day, the rainy day. And by the way, the Bible says as much about that as it does about the rapture. Ooh. Isn't that interesting? I like it when you look at me and go. <laughs> goals. Goals. Number two. Strong leadership gives stability. A child is more stable when dad's at home. Strong leadership gives stability. Israel was secure and stable under David and Solomon. And then they began to waver when her leaders were weak and unstable. Hezekiah was a great leader. When Hezekiah, when the Syrian armies came up against Judah during Hezekiah's day, the Bible says the people rested themselves on the words of the king. They knew Hezekiah was in charge. A strong leader gives security, you see. People ought to be in churches where there's good authority. Where there's strong leadership, not weak, vacillating leadership. America was much stronger when Reagan was in charge than when Carter was in charge. Reagan said, Gorbachev, tear down that wall! <laughs> okay. Carter said, I got some... I've got some captives over in Iran, a little weak, puny nation at that time. I don't know what to do. He was weak. He was weak. And things that we're in, when we put our children in those things, they ought to be strongly led. Strong leadership builds security. It's true of a church. Weak churches have weak leaders who vacillate and change all the time and speak with little or no authority. You know, people don't have to know everything about the boat if they know the captain. And they got some confidence in the captain. Then they don't have to know whether the rudder's working. If they got some confidence in the captain, you see. Instability in the homes of America are in direct proportion of the instability of men in America. The emotional instability of children and teens can be traced, I think, to the weak men in this country who have no goals, no constancy. They're weak as water, unstable. They can't stay at anything long enough to excel. And thus women and children lead to homes. You teenagers say, I don't like my dad telling me what to do. You better thank God you got a dad that tells you what to do. And he's not weak about it. He says, do it. Uh, the average home today is more scared of the teenagers than anybody else. They're absolutely afraid to death that they're going to walk out the door or do something, do something that is... You can't be afraid of them. By the way, self-control in children is built by obedience to authority. Children cannot develop self-control until they learn to obey outside control. If they go to bed when dad tells them to go to bed, they're developing 
control, inner controls. Stability. Again, secure situations build stability. Secure situations. Refugees come to America, not to Cuba. Refugees come to America, not to Mexico. Americans are not running to Mexico because Mexico is an insecure situation. But America is, a, a, is still a fairly secure situation. We don't put walls around our country. We're secure. We don't worry about our people defecting. There's some I wish would. I wish some of those Hollywood stars would defect. Michael Moore and some of those guys, we'd be well off without them. Yeah, all of them. Children need to know that mom and dad are going to stay together. They need to know that. Mom ought not threaten, I'm going to leave you. That's a bad thing for a child. And dad ought not threaten it either. Churches need to know that the pastor is not going to run off to a greener field or the leadership is not going to run off to a greener field when times get tough. We built this building and we took on some debt. You need to know I'm not going to run off and leave you with that debt. You need to know that. And God helping me, I never will. I have great respect for pastors who get in great trouble but stay and lead even when they're in trouble and the church is in trouble financially and people are leaving them. But they stay and lead. You know, you know something? We ought to desire to build a stable church which will be here 10 years for our children. We ought to desire to build a church that will be here for our grandchildren. And the same kind of church that we have, we ought to desire that it stays. For, for that to happen, we have to build a secure situation here. Number four, stay in put build stability. Stay in put. I did that this morning. I wasn't near through, so don't worry about it. Stay in put build stability. I read a little anecdote about a little boy who was out with his grandfather, and his grandfather was taking him around, promised him some ice cream if he'd be good during the time that he was running errands. And the little boy said to him, said, Granddad said, when are we going to get the ice cream? And Grandpa said, well, we're... Just got a few more errands. Just be good till I can get the errands done. And, uh, and the little boy said, Grandpa, I can be good for a while. I just can't be good for long. I feel like that's a lot of church members. I mean, longevity and staying at something sometimes is hard for a lot of people. I know we live in a different time. and I know that sometimes we have to move. But I think people move way too often. I lived in the same house from the time I was a baby to the time I was 18 and went to college. How many of you did that? The same house. Um, never moved one time till I was 18 years of age. And um, I went to the same school from the time I started grammar school to the time I finished grammar school. And, and, and Dad never said, son, are you happy? Are, are, are you satisfied? Do you like it there? Dad never asked me when I got home, son, son, did you like one of the teachers? Did, did, you, did something go wrong? That never happened at my house. You know, why, you know why we're so insecure? Because we give our children 
the right to get out of situations. And change all the time. I went to the same church from the time I was a baby until I was 18 years of age. My friends around me that we grew up together, we fought like cats and dogs. We fought with our fist back when men were men. <laughs> I got beat up quite a few times. <laughs> After about I was an eighth grader, so I decided I'm not growing as fast as these other guys. I'm going to learn to think. <laughs> I'm tired of getting beat up. But we fought like cats and dogs, but we always worked it out. And we stayed friends. We always worked it out. I didn't run from friend to friend to friend. Our church changed pastors and staff. My mother stayed right there. She stayed right there. That's stability. Stability. People who constantly look for happiness beside the place they're in are unstable people. Are you following me? People who look for happiness outside of where you are are unstable. Happiness is not in a place. Happiness is an attitude. You remember when Jeremiah wrote that, wrote that uh, letter in Jeremiah chapter 29? Uh, the people had gone off to Babylon. They'd been carried away captive. And, and uh, Jeremiah wrote a letter to them. It's a beautiful letter in Jeremiah chapter 29 where he said to the people, you're going to be there a while. In fact, you're going to be there 70 years. So build houses, work for the peace of that city, raise your children there, and learn to do right in that situation because you aren't coming home. That's good advice for you and me. Let's be happy where we are. Treat the marriage the same way. We ought to quit looking for happiness and seek to be useful and make somebody else happy. <laughs> You ought to think twice before moving out of a stable situation into an unstable situation. Do you know that the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence? Have you learned that? The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. <laughs> it might be over a cesspool. You never know what it's over over there. But it's always greener. Things always look better elsewhere. Stay. Stay in situations. Stay in a, stay in a good church until God moves you out. Until God moves you out. Stay there. Work through. We got people in this church who've been mad at me from time to time. Not many, but there's a few. No, there's a lot. But they stayed. They stayed. And I think they built some stable families. You don't run from situations, ladies and gentlemen. You don't run from trouble. Trouble's within you. It's not around you. We don't run from things. We learn to work things out. That builds stability. Number five, I'm hastening to a close. Number five, a schedule builds stability. I'm ready to be back in the office. Two weeks away from the office, I don't like it. You know why? You guys are like it, aren't you? Unless you happen to work at home. When I'm at home, I'm working most of the time. But there's something about getting up and coming to, the, coming to work. Something about it. There's something about being on schedule that's good for us. <laughs> You're not going to be what you 
need to be by doing things sporadically. Not by inspiration. You're going to be what you need to be by doing things on a daily basis. That's important. Somebody said success consists of a series of daily victories. I think that's true. The successful football team, which I hadn't had many of them this year, <laughs> but the successful football team doesn't make it off of 90-yard runs. They make it off of three- and four- five-year-old, five-year-yard runs. That's how they make it. You're not a success because, oh, I'm going to serve God this year. Tomorrow I'm getting up and reading the Bible for two hours. That'll last one day. And that's it. You'll be a success as a Christian if you decide, I'm going to, on a daily basis, read my Bible and pray. A daily basis. Schedule. Schedule. Operate on a daily schedule. Get up at a certain time every day. Live by a schedule. Don't let days and weeks go by without getting anything done. We've had two weeks of a different kind of a schedule, but I've gotten three sermons prepared. I'm working on a book. I've worked nearly all day, most of the days, because I've got a schedule to go by. I've got goals for this year to get some things done, and I'm not going to let my days go by and not get anything done. God help us. Waste time. Waste time. You can't get it back when it's gone. We ought to live by schedule, you see. I hardly ever remember when I was growing up that my dad didn't get home at the same time every day. Now, I know businesses have changed, and it's very difficult with the, with the traffic of Atlanta, and, and things have changed a great deal. But Dad got home every day at 445. And every evening we ate together, my two sisters and me, and my dad and my mom, we ate together every night at about 530. Mama would say, supper's ready. And after supper, the two girls would get up and wash the dishes. And Dad and I would go in and watch Red Skelton. And I love Lucy. That's back when you could watch TV and enjoy it. And Andy Griffith. Father knows best. Good stuff you young people don't know anything about. I feel sorry for you. You got to watch this garbage on TV now. Churches ought to be run by schedule. We need to start on time. Start on time. Some people wouldn't know, be, wouldn't know how to be on time if time stopped. They still would not be on time. That's a character problem. It's character. You need to start on time. You need to build a habit of going to bed at a certain time, getting up at a certain time, not pacifying your flesh all the time by laying in. That's nothing but pacifying the flesh. We're going to have an invitation in a little while if you're still with me. I want you to <laughs> respond. <laughs> People who are early show initiative. People who operate by schedule show stability in their lives. And it's important. Homes ought to operate on a schedule. You ought to eat about the same time every day. Oh, by the way, if anybody cooks anymore... I'm meddling now. <laughs> you can jump on men, but when you jump on those ladies, you're in big trouble. We ate, we ate the same time every day when I was growing up. I appreciate that. That's why I'm such, I'm such a healthy rascal. <laughs> now you know I'm joking. You that have homeschools, you ought to operate on schedule. Schedule. 
It's not healthy not to operate on schedule. It's not healthy not to get up at a certain time and do things at a certain time. It's not healthy. You ought to work during the day. Not an hour a day and then go traveling off somewhere all the time. You need to work. This life's about work. And jobs don't let you come for three hours and then leave. There's got to be some character built somewhere. Every job out there I know of, any owner of any business that I know of, is squalling about the fact they can't get people to work. It's a direct result of the fact that we've lived unstable lives for so long that people don't know what work is. It's a sad thing. I want to give you one last thing and I'm finished. Familiarity breeds stability. Familiarity. Children ought to have friends they grow up with and keep. Know how to keep a friend. It's not healthy to change friends all the time. It says something about us when we can't keep friends. It says something about us. It's a sign of instability. If you can't keep friends, you're going to be awfully lonely in your latter years. Are you listening? You're going to be awfully lonely. The only thing you're going to have left is your children and grandchildren. And that's a wonderful thing, but if you've got friends and can keep friends, it's a wonderful thing to have more than just family. You know, there's some good things about a small school like ours. There's assets and liabilities to everything. And one of the assets of a small school like ours is you've got to work through relationship problems. We don't have 1,400 kids to choose from. And you can't run from one friendship to another friendship to another friendship. You've got to learn to work it out. That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Familiarity breeds stability. I feel secure in my pulpit. I enjoy traveling, but I feel I'm a better preacher when I'm at home. I'm more free. I know you. When I'm out, I don't know the people I'm preaching to. I'm more secure here. I'm more secure when driving my car. I get in somebody else's car, I'm not as secure driving. Are you? Remind me not to lend me your car if that's true. Or my car. I'm secure in driving roads that I know. Familiarity breeds security. I finished. I always want something new, something novel, something exciting, something different is a real sign of instability. That's why our churches, they're always wanting something new. Give me some new music. and nothing wrong with new music if it's good music. Entertain me, preacher. Give me something that's exciting or I'm not coming back on Sunday night. What's wrong with the old book? What's wrong with the old book? What's wrong with the same things that were good for you that got you to where you are to keep it on doing those things? That's stability, you see. Reuben, he said, you're not going to excel. And the reason you're not going to excel is you're unstable. You listen to your feelings and you don't do what you're supposed to do. If you start piano, stay with it till you become good at it. If you start football, boys, finish it, even if it kills you. If you start something, finish it. That's called character. And it's a missing element. Our Heavenly Father, 
I pray you'd help us to bring some children up that have character.